the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. So when do the buses show up in Mount Lebanon? You've probably seen the news about the uh, the governors of Florida and Texas uh, flying or busing immigrants into sanctuary cities and states run by liberals. My personal favorite is Ron DeSantis of Florida flying a few plane loads into Martha's Vineyard. Now, you would think that the residents there would be thrilled. I don't think you're allowed to live on the island unless you're a Democrat, and Democrats seem to be okay with what's happening on the border. But I'm wondering why we haven't seen any sent to Mount Lebanon yet. I live out that way. Every once in a while, I take my dogs there to walk. And I was always amazed at the number of signs in the front yards that said, you know, things like, we love everybody, no hate here, um, no humans are illegal. Some of them actually said, we welcome immigrants uh, and immigrant children. And, of course, they included Black Lives Matter. I, didn't, I don't see as many now as I used to. I don't know what that's all about, but I used to see a ton of them. But what always struck me was that the signs were put in front of homes that went, they were nowhere within 8 or 10 miles of a neighborhood that would have anything but mostly white people. And I'm pretty sure that most of the people living in those homes have never lived within five miles of a person of color and had probably never spoken to an illegal immigrant unless he was there to do their landscaping. Just seems like, I don't know, someone who would take it upon themselves to put a sign like that in the front yard telling everybody how much they love immigrants would be asking the governors on the border states to please send the immigrants to them. Look at the opportunity there. There are a lot of big homes with those big signs. They probably have some extra bedrooms because lots of the uh, people living there are older and they're empty nesters. You know, maybe Governor DeSantis in Florida and Governor Abbott in Texas should be advertising up here and, and other places where there are lots of liberals. And they could include an 800 number so that the people in Mount Lebanon could walk the walk instead of just talking the talk with their signs and, you know, get some immigrants in here. Legal ones, especially. But uh, the fine people of Mount Lebanon right now are being cheated when they don't get to welcome their share of illegal immigrants. Let's fix that, okay? Let's see if we can get that fixed. Meanwhile, uh, Pennsylvania schools could use some fixing. They were they were just ranked 38 out of 51. That includes um, Washington, D.C., despite spending the second most per pupil. We'll have the report card for the state when we come back. And in our second half hour... We're going to talk to our Philadelphia correspondent about how Mr. Let Everybody Out of Prison, John Fetterman, is going over down there where crime is through the roof. Stick around. With crime surging, John Fetterman has a scheme that would make it worse. We could reduce our prison population by a third and not make anyone less safe. John Fetterman is wrong. Dead wrong. Releasing felons makes everyone less safe. Look at the news. It was reported that five men released from Pennsylvania prison were charged in six homicides. One of them strangled a grandmother. Another brutally killed a two-year-old. Yet John Fetterman is trying to get as many criminals out of prison as he can, saying this. I have made getting them out of prison like the most critical thing I'll, I'll ever do. John Fetterman's making everyone less safe. Far left Fetterman is dangerously liberal on crime and too far left for Pennsylvania. Senate Leadership Fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.senateleadershipfund.org Okay, from the start. The Acerolateries. Alfalfa leaf, aloe vera, apples, banana, beets, bell pepper, broccoli, blueberries, blackberries, cranberries. We make Texas superfood from 55 raw, vine-ripened fruits and vegetables. Pineapple, sweet potatoes, papaya, parsley, pear, peach. In a capsule or a powder, one daily dose of Texas superfood delivers the healthy 
the benefits of 55. Count them, 55 fresh fruits and vegetables, and you can see them all on TexasSuperfood.com. Raspberry, finish the nutrients that we need on a daily basis. Thousands of people benefit from taking Texas Superfood every day. Shouldn't you be one of them? Doctors, pharmacists, nurses, and your grandmother all recommend that you eat more fruits and vegetables every day. So if you can't, won't, or don't, Texas Superfood is made for you. TexasSuperfood.com. It's borderline shocking how much energy I have. I hope you use me for the TexasSuperfood.com. Join us on TexasSuperfood.com. TexasSuperfood.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? It couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, just about every day uh, we see something in the news that could be used as a commercial for school choice. Yesterday we told you about the transgender insanity being promoted by the Michigan Department of Education. And you would think that education would play a huge role, a role, I should say, in the election in November. It sure should in Pennsylvania. The Heritage Foundation came out with an education freedom report card, and Pennsylvania, ah, they flunked. Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania flunked. Uh, Jonathan Butcher is a fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Jonathan, thanks for coming on again. Always good to have you. Thanks. Great to be with you. So um, Pennsylvania finished 38 out of 51. D.C. is included in that, so 50 states plus D.C. So how many things do you have to flunk to be ranked that low, 38 out of 51? Well, we have four big categories, right? We had school choice, which we actually weighted because we do believe, right, as many parents do, that when you provide families with the opportunity to choose how and where their children learn, you are giving them hope in a future, right? So that was a big one. The other one had to do with regulatory burdens that are put on schools, especially the number of administrators that are in school districts compared to uh, educators, compared to teachers, and then academic freedom. So not just the ability to see curriculum, but definitely that. And then finally, the return on investment. How well schools are using taxpayer money to actually help students achieve. So what is the most important of the, uh, of the four, do you think? At least well, as far as getting a, school, getting a good ranking. Yeah, I mean, school choice was the big one. We actually weighted whether or not a state has a private school choice option, a strong charter school law, a strong homeschool law, and but what we mean by that is a law that doesn't regulate homeschool families and treat them almost like uh, families with who are assigned to public schools. So, you know, that, that indicator is really important. And today, I mean, 
lawmakers are thinking big today. I mean, Governor Doug Ducey just signed a proposal that allows every child in the state of Arizona to apply for an education savings account, which could customize a child's education. So West Virginia has a similar proposal that they just adopted last year. So lawmakers are thinking big today. Yeah. um, And um, I see, uh, well, I see Pennsylvania is ranked uh, 38th in return on investment spending. So how, how do you measure what kind of return we get on our investment? So that has to do with the per student spending number and then what it takes to get a one-point increase in the nation's report card, right, on the average scores. And look, I mean, as Americans know, last week the results came out for uh, math and reading on the nation's report card, the longitudinal results, and it showed significant declines across the board. So we're looking at a period right now where we have students who are in need of some innovative very um, out-of-the-box but quality solutions to help them gain ground. Yeah, um, and I see that, uh, I think uh, I saw that uh, we spend $19,122 per pupil. Um, you could send, a, for half of that, you could send a kid to a pretty good, uh, at least as a, if it was a, I, I know that you could send a kid to a, a pretty good Catholic grade school for half of that. Yeah, the national average for per-student spending in public schools is right around $15,000. I think for uh, elementary private schools, I think that <clears throat> the figure that you're talking about, nine, $10,000, is certainly in the ballpark. But look, this is why education savings accounts, private school scholarships, are such a, um, uh, an important investment for lawmakers to make with families. Down in Florida, they have not only private school scholarships for children from low-income families, but they also have education savings accounts and scholarships for children uh, who have special needs. So, I mean, these are states, I mean, Arizona's got something similar, uh, similar options, like I said, in in West Virginia, uh, Iowa, Pennsylvania actually has a tax credit scholarship as well, but it's, it's the limits that are placed on these kinds of things that also went into our ranking. Yeah, now, I, I, it, it's noticeable that this is called an education freedom report card, not just an education report card. So freedom, I'm, I'm taking from this, is that the more freedom you have, the better your grade is going to be because freedom's real important to being uh, getting a good ranking. Because that's, the, the well, freedom that creates uh, makes you better in all the other categories. Well, that's right. And it puts the parents in charge, right? I mean, parents know their children best. It allows parents the ability, it empowers them, right, to make decisions. And so, you know, that's why when the mainstream media talks about per-student spending as though that is some sort of measure of success, or look, even average test scores across a state as though that is somehow a measure of how well a state is doing, that doesn't take into account the achievement gaps, right? between students from wealthier families and students from low-income families. I mean, this is really what separates states like Massachusetts from a place like Arizona, right? Massachusetts is spending uh, a lot per student. They have high average scores across the state. However, that's just the average. The achievement gap between white students and black students is some 20 points, right, across most of the tests. Whereas in Arizona, you have options, right? When families are not happy with an assigned school, they can attend one of the 530-some charter schools in the state, for example. Yeah, and um, I, 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 I noticed that you, there's a, um, you have a figure for the ratio of teachers to administrative people. And and like I see somewhere, it's it's almost the same number of teachers as there are administrators, and sometimes I guess there's there's more than one administrator per teacher. That's right. And the national average is right about one to one, which is kind of discouraging, right? To know that we have as many non-instructional staff in K twelve schools as instructional staff, and so we gave points to states that had a lower ratio, right? Who had more teachers than administrative staff, although it's pretty close, you know, around the country. Um, so I think that's something that we should be paying attention to with all of this COVID money that still remains unspent. Um, some $140 billion at last count, I mean, over the summer, had still not been spent 
out of $200 billion in federal taxpayer money that had been sent to states during COVID to supposedly help schools open to in-person learning. And where's that money going? What are the what are the governors of those states? Are they are they able to do whatever they want with that money, or does it have to go to education? That's all education money. The governors actually had their own portion of that that they could use. It was called gear funds. These were funds just for governors' offices. But a bunch of the rest was money that districts could use, right? And state departments could be using. And they had a lot of flexibility. States had a lot of flexibility, which was a good thing. But it's not a good thing if they're not spending it, right? right. It's not helpful to families if they're sitting on it. Um, and here in Pennsylvania, we were ranked 31st in transparency. Um, transparency would seem to be a lot more important now than it was just a few years ago. If, if not in, in your rankings, just to parents. They, they, they should be, uh, you would think that it would be uh, to parents now after what we've seen the last couple of years and how li- what little transparency there has been. Yeah, that's right. We gave points to states that had provisions saying that no one, no teacher or student should be compelled or forced to believe anything, but especially ideas that violate the Civil Rights Act. So what this is saying is that you cannot require a student to say that America is systemically racist, or you cannot require a teacher to segregate students by race, which is happening, by the way, in states around the country. Um, and so uh, these, uh, we also gave points for states that had a low level of incidence of these kinds of things occurring, right? So we were looking at the examples around the U.S. of what you're describing, right? Secrets being kept from teachers about a child's gender, um, material about, um, you know, essentially promoting racial discrimination under the guise of, you know, what they call critical race theory uh, being used in schools, right? All of this was a part of the calculation that we used. We're talking to Jonathan Butcher. He's a fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation, and you can go to heritage.org and see their education freedom report card. And all you get it, there's a map. You can click on whatever state you'd like, and uh, it'll give you the ranking. Pennsylvania, as I said, is 31 out of 38, uh, which didn't, th- doesn't surprise me. Um, we, we were, I talked here yesterday a little bit at the end of the show about what they're doing in Michigan um, uh, Jonathan Rufo, I don't know if you saw the piece he did exposing what they're telling teachers there um, about transgender stuff. It's it's uh, they're basically telling teachers, giving teachers uh, instruction on how to keep the parents out of the, out of their business to to keep anything um, in, involving transgender issues to prevent parents from from seeing it. That's, I mean, it's, that's the Department of Education is instructing teachers on how to avoid uh, having the parents mess with them. Yeah, and there are other states that have similar policies. In New Jersey, they have a, a policy from the State Department of Education that says that teachers may not tell parents when their child comes to school and wants to, quote, assume a different gender. There are school districts in uh, Kansas that have similar policies, just like in California. So this is something that states are, in fact, as you described, including Michigan, are promoting, which is keeping secrets from parents, which, I mean, look, this is ridiculous. I mean, no parent should stand for that. Um, this is not fair, and it sends children down a path, minor children, down a path of making life-altering decisions when they are well too young to be making those kinds of choices. And it's, it's happening in a lot of states, isn't it? It is. It's happening uh, really around the country. And, it's, and there are groups such as the ACLU that are trying to defend this and say that it should be the case, that minor children should be able to make these choices. And the dangers, I mean, among the many dangers is that you have young children who are getting advice saying that they should be, they're being socially affirmed, right? Mm-hmm. Where the teachers and then their college, their peers are forced, essentially, to affirm this, this kind of chosen identity, which is an ambiguous idea in general. But then, once you go down that path and you get into counseling, where they start to treat you as though you're a different, you know, different gender, then you can go to a doctor and get put on, you know, puberty blockers, hormone treatments, and the next thing you know, the next recommendation is some sort of surgical procedure that, again, we're talking life-altering stuff here that cannot be reversed. It's a very scary path 
that we're putting a lot of young children on, and it's irresponsible for educators to be doing this in general, but it's um, uh, worse for them to be doing it and not talking to parents about it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's still the case, but it used to be that you couldn't give a kid an aspirin without calling the parents. Literally, you were not in this. But I can remember when my kids were in school, they, you were not allowed to give a kid an aspirin unless either you, you called and checked or there was some form that you filled out beforehand that, that they were allowed to give him an aspirin if he had a headache. And so uh, things have come a long way, I guess, since then. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's still the same. That, that, that's still the case now. Um, Florida and Arizona, as you, we have them ranked one and two, and you mentioned you know school choice is a big thing there. But what else are they doing right besides the freedom part of it, the school choice? That makes them one and two. Yeah, school choice is a big one. Uh, Florida, as I mentioned, and Arizona both have very exciting opportunities for uh, families and students in their states. In Florida, the governor has also um, signed proposals this year that allow parents to see what their children are being taught and even provide input onto what is being used in the classrooms. Um, The governor has... um, uh, also uh, expanded an existing parent bill of rights in the state that allows, again, parents to be the primary caregivers for their children. Uh, Arizona also has a parent bill of rights, although it has not been expanded in about probably about 10 years. So the, the basic premise is there, right, that parents are a child's primary caregiver as a part of state law. But there's more that, that can be done in Arizona and many other states that would say, you know, would prohibit compelled speech, like I was talking about before, this issue of rejecting critical race theory. And then obviously, right, adding provisions that say that parents must be a part of any health treatment given to a child in K-12 school, right, from counseling to, like you said, um, allergy medicine, Tylenol, what have you, and then most certainly any sort of counseling regarding a a child's confusion about their sex. Um. And we're talking to Jonathan Butcher. You can see the uh, he's a uh, education fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation. You can see the uh, school the education freedom report card. You can find it at heritage.org. Um, so uh, New Jersey, New York, and Washington D.C. finished in the bottom three. Uh, D.C. being number fifty-one. All three are obviously very blue areas. What are they doing wrong in those three places? I think it's pretty obvious, but I'm sure you have a rundown. Well, part of it has to do with how much is spent per child and then what that investment means for improvement um, on a national comparison. So that's a big one. The return on investment is very low in the state, and the regulations are high uh, in all of those places. Uh, you know, Washington has a private school scholarship program for low-income children from low-income families, but it's heavily regulated, and Congress tries to kill it every time it comes up for reauthorization. So, um, you know, it's always on the chopping block. Uh, New York and, and New Jersey are also places uh, that have very few options for families outside of, um, you know, some sort of um, public school choice. But even there, um, you know, if you don't get your top, you know, your top choice, your top school, suddenly you're, you know, pretty far down the list, and then you don't have, you know, the options for anything else. Um, charter schools, especially in New York City, right, have faced a lot of uh, opposition in recent years from the mayor. So. I think there's a lot of work to be done in those places. Well, New York, I see, is uh, $24,509 per pupil. That's what they spend per, per, per student. That's, that's pretty, pretty steep. Um, but uh, D.C. is the worst. That probably explains why Democrats who work there uh, tend to send their kids to private schools, doesn't it? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that Congress has a jurisdiction over Washington, D.C. They have the ability to make Washington an example for the rest of the country, and that's what they should be doing. They should be um, giving families options. They should be supporting the charter sector. They should be um, uh, providing um, uh, the, the responsibility for how schools, public schools do, um, they should be taking responsibility for that and treating them, frankly, like charter schools. And for traditional public schools that fail for generations, they need to be shut down, and those children should have other options. And uh, finishing up here, Jonathan, it just seems that, like with a lot of this stuff, um, the people who um, tend to be hurt the most by this are the people who c- keep electing these people who are in charge. In other words, Democrats keep getting the votes from the people who suffer the most from this, 
And I've never been able to understand it, especially blacks who in, in polls show that they're in favor of school choice and they continuously vote against the people who are pushing school choice. Well, fortunately, in polls, school choice does do pretty well. Uh, you know, it doesn't always translate into how uh, people will vote. But I think, you know, look, the truth is that those students who are behind going into the pandemic are even further behind today. And so lawmakers should be looking at our report card for great ideas as they head into the next legislative session so that they can create opportunities, right, regardless of where a child is from, regardless of the color of their skin, and give every family the chance to send their child to a quality learning option. Competition, what a concept. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for being on the show again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, that's Jonathan Butcher, fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation. You can find the report card at heritage.org. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Americans picked up their spending in August from July, even as surging inflation took a toll on household budgets. Retail sales rose an unexpected three-tenths percent last month, from being down four-tenths percent in July, according to the Commerce Department. A tentative railway labor agreement has been reached, thus averting a nationwide strike that could have been devastating to the economy. Former President Trump tells the Salem Radio Network the FBI raid on his home in Florida was unconstitutional. He also predicts it will backfire on the Democrats in November. I don't think the people are going to stand for it. If you noticed, the poll numbers are the highest they've ever been. The people are not going to stand for this stuff. They've weaponized Department of Justice and FBI. The former president set to hold a Save America rally on Saturday in Youngstown, Ohio. This is SRN News. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. Mike Gallagher wants to talk issues. There's a reason Biden and Kamala Harris and the mainstream media is focusing on Trump. And it feels like a betrayal, but it's not. Trumpism is on the ballot. The Trump agenda, the Trump doctrine of putting America first is on the ballot. He's not on the ballot. So let's keep our powder dry for the next 57 days and talk about the wrecked economy. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Train up a child in the way they should go. Well, you know the rest. It's a calling you take very seriously as a Christian parent. And Trinity Christian School in Forest Hills seeks to honor your commitment by working together with parents to prepare students who are academically sound and spiritually ready to take their place in the world through a classical approach to education that helps build a faith from which they will never depart. Trinity Christian School, one of the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. Whose rulebook do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Have you ever caught yourself believing you'll never find a deeply fulfilling relationship with a marriage-minded Christian man? Well, you're not alone, and I can relate. For years, I believed I would never find the love of my life. If you're feeling stuck in negativity, I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months challenge at lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. And 
division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer Mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Delays inbound, 376 jam from Montour Run to near Ridge Road. That's an accident off to the shoulder. Looks like that's the reason for the delay. Also heavy inbound Green Tree Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel on the Parkway West. Parkway East delays outbound. Boulevard of the Allies up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. That's about a 10-minute delay. Also about an extra 10 minutes on the Parkway North inbound between Reedsdale Street and the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. It'll be partly cloudy this evening, patchy late-night fog rolling in, but actually when your head hits the pillow, good weather for sleeping, low 55. Patchy morning fog when you wake tomorrow morning, otherwise hazy sunshine, but an early taste of fall with a high 74. Mainly clear and patchy late-night fog tomorrow night, coolest night months, low 52. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Ruth O'Brien. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the last we heard, John Fetterman was still leading Dr. Oz in the polls, which uh, means there are actually human beings out there willing to admit that they will vote for him to be their senator. And I guess that includes lots of people in Philadelphia. That's uh, Pennsylvania. Christine Flowers is a columnist at the Delco Times, a radio host down there. She's sort of our... uh, unofficial Philadelphia correspondent, and she joins us now. Christine, uh, good, good to have you on again. Thanks for coming on. Hey, John. I love you guys. I, I feel kind of like a foreign correspondent, a yeah. war correspondent embedded <laughs> in the war-torn area in eastern Pennsylvania, exactly, from my dispatches from the battlefield. Yeah, so uh, I'm told you're you're in your car, I think, and so we're not, we probably won't hear any gunplay as opposed to if you were... <laughs> If you were in an office somewhere, there's a chance we'd actually hear big shots or, you know, some kind of sign that you're in well, a war zone. <laughs> well, I'm, my office is on the second floor, so oh. I, was prob- I was probably actually safer <laughs> in the office. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to test it, but I'm assuming that my windows are, are bulletproof. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, and I, I joke about this. It's, it's, a, it's a joke, but to, to really be quite honest, I no longer take public transportation in Philadelphia. Um, I wrote a column a couple of months ago about how I was assaulted on um, the uh, the elevated, which is sort of our kind of a subway and an above ground uh, train. And um, unfortunately, the uh, SEPTA police were nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. SEPTA is the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Association. And so I technically... Um, have been through the ringer, but I avoid public transportation as much as possible. So all of that to say I'm safe right now, and I'm, as I said, I'm embedded in Philadelphia, and I can give you a good view of what's happening in the city. Are you packing heat? (laughs) You know, I'm going to learn how to do that. Um, I have become aware of just how important it is to have i do have mace though i have uh you know this this cute little vial of mace so that should keep me safe for a while well i i would i'm surprised that anybody would get on uh uh, a mass travel in mass on mass transit in philly or new york or chicago or just about any big city now without having a gun with them i'm serious i i can't by the videos i see of, of people just Walking up to passengers on these uh, yeah. on these trains, subways, whatever, and just <laughs> punching them in the face and stealing their money. I, I'm sorry, I'd have a gun, and it's, and I, and I'm a man. If I was a, a woman, I can't believe any woman wouldn't learn how to shoot a gun before she stepped foot on one of those things. Well, there are a lot of women in southeastern PA who um, agree with you, and who I happen to be one of them, and who are either uh, trained in firearms or who are going through firearm classes. And I think, you know, it's really unfortunate that we've gotten to this point where uh, a woman cannot feel safe, well, men can't feel safe, but particularly women cannot feel safe walking through the streets of the city. I do this on on a regular basis. I mean, I'm a pedestrian. I walk everywhere. But I've learned where to avoid being at certain hours of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's still places where you're fairly safe if you're there when the sun is out. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Philadelphia is an extreme 
extremely dangerous city. Um, part of it is due to just the, the general demographics. A lot of it is due to our district attorney, Larry Krasner. We had a conversation about that yeah. a couple months ago. I want to get to him in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I hear you. He's now in contempt, obviously, of mm. the um, <laughs> the representatives, the uh, you know the legislators in uh, Harrisburg. He's calling that a political ploy. Um, that's you know that's ridiculous because Democrats and Republicans are equally disgusted with his malfeasance and his inability to actually do the job of being a prosecutor and not being the second um, public defender in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, he's basically he's not prosecuting cases. And we just recently had another individual who was let out on no bail and committed another crime, committed a very serious sexual offense. So it just goes on and on and on. And his spokespersons, who, by the way, on Twitter, do not allow people to respond to their comments. I'm talking about at Jane Rowe, um, J-A-N-E underscore R-O-H, if your listeners want to uh, Google her, they do not, these are spokespersons for the official district attorney's office in Philadelphia, and they don't allow people to respond to these fictitious, mythical comments they make about how great and how effective our, um, you know, uh, primary uh, prosecutor, primary uh, law enforcement individual is in the city. So... Uh, are the people getting what they deserve for reelecting uh, their uh, anti-incarceration DA by about forty points last year? They didn't just reelect them; it, w- it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say um, part of me wants to say none of us deserve what's happened to us, but quite frankly, you're right. These are people who voted in lockstep, blindly, reflexively. For the Democrats, this was a political um, referendum. This had nothing to do with his uh, qualifications for office. He really has just committed such malfeasance. He's acted in such bad faith, John. And I would say that the vast majority of people who were eligible to vote in Philadelphia did not vote. So shame on them. Mm-hmm. You deserve what you deserve. What you don't vote for. Right. You deserve, you know, your laziness, your apathy, your failure to be a good citizen has effectively put you in the crosshairs. Um, and obviously, I, I truly, truly do blame the people who actually voted for him, the, uh, the people, the cultists, the, you know, the, those who will blindly walk in lockstep, just as, and I hope this is a good segue, John Fetterman, the people yeah, in Philadelphia who are going to vote for John Fetterman. That's where I'm headed. I, I haven't been keeping score, but I think Philadelphia is about to break its record for murders. Um, has Dr. Oz succeeded in letting the people there know about Fetterman's ideas about prisons and how much he seems to favor the crime-committing community? Well, Dr. Oz is finally waking up. Um, I was not too thrilled with his campaign over the last couple of months since the primary because, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it, it seemed as if he was, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, it didn't seem as if he was going for the jugular. He wasn't. He didn't realize that this was going to be a Philadelphia-style campaign. Mm-hmm. This was not going to be, you know, the Marquis of Queensbury rules. And everybody has their white gloves on. No, you are going to go after the person that you think is going to be the worst candidate. And that means his opponent, and that would be John Fetterman. And yes, he is starting to run commercials in the Philadelphia, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the media market here that go after Fetterman's record on law enforcement. I will tell you something, John. I have a friend from high school whose father was murdered back in 1993, I think it was. It was um, a robbery, and the, his, her father was murdered, and the, there were three or four people involved. Um, one of the, the individuals who was not the shooter uh, was charged with felony murder and got a life sentence. And he came up for some kind of commutation, some kind of um, parole hearing. And John Fetterman was pushing for this man's release. This is a man who was convicted of the felony murder of an innocent 
pharmacist, mm-hmm. okay? And John Fetterman was pushing for this man to basically get off after maybe, I think maybe 18 years in prison. 18 years for taking a human life. Um. Okay, then you have Fetterman, and, and um, I think Oz has not really um, uh, focused on that particular crime, but he has gone and covered how Fetterman has been pushing, pushing, pushing for the release of convicted criminals, how he has two convicted criminals who say they were wrongly convicted working on his campaign. I, whenever I tweet about this, I have people coming back and saying, well, you don't mention the fact that they were wrongly convicted. There's been no acquittal, no DNA evidence, no innocence project confirmation that they were not guilty of the crimes they con- they committed. They were uh, convicted of committing. Um, the only thing we have is them saying, I was, I was wrongly committed. I was wrongly convicted. And I'm sorry, that doesn't stand up to a legal challenge. No. So, you know, I mean, uh, him being out there, Fetterman being out there and saying that they were wrongly convicted and I want to give them a chance to be rehabilitated is a joke. It, it's laughable. Well, well, and yeah. it all played, you know, I'm well, sorry. Well, no, that's okay. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, um, we had, uh, I had Rafael Manguel on the show yesterday. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, he's written a book called uh, Criminal Injustice, and I think it was he who was on here uh, a while back, uh, and I had him on because I wanted to talk to him about, I think it, it was he was the, the one who, who wrote the column. I could be wrong about it, but he writes great stuff about incarceration and crime statistics and all that. That, mm-hmm. the, that most of the wrongly convicted people who get out of prison were rightly convicted, even mm-hmm. even though they're let out later. It's rare that they actually were, are able to prove that they were wrongly convicted. I wish I had the details on that, but <coughs> a lot of it has to do with people changing their stories uh, after they've yeah. been in jail for 15 years, and and so uh, they get a they get a judge or or some parole officer or somebody who who sympathizes with them. But most of, so when you say that those those guys said they were wrongly convicted, I remember talk that conversation I had, and I'm, I'm my my first response when I hear that is, well, that was probably bogus. I, th- I think they were guilty. Um, yeah, and it's absolutely fascinating what you're talking about with the with the author that you mentioned, and I'll I'll, I'll have to to look him up because Rafael Manguel, yeah, Rafael Manguel. Thanks. It's very interesting. I might want to write about him. In fact, I think. A lot of these acquittals are based on um, technicalities, and I'm not even saying constitutional infirmities. Right. Because if there was a violation of due process, if there were trumped-up witnesses, if there, uh, you know, if, if there really was a violation of a due process protection, um, violation of Miranda or what have you, I'm all for a revisiting mm-hmm. of those convictions. Yep. But as you said, a lot of these cases are not, don't rise to the level of a constitutional infirmity. Like you said, there's one witness who flips, you know, after a number of years, and maybe because they think that this is going to help them in their own case, they're going to say, oh, uh, I lied when I said I was there and I saw him do it. You know, a lot of these things, and, and the courts are far too willing to listen to these crusading attorneys now who are trying to overturn these cases and these convictions. And there's also a lot of criticism of police who have fabricated evidence. And I bet Mr. Monguel has investigated that as well, and that it is far less common for there to be these fabrications and false prosecutions based upon um, you know, criminal activity and malfeasance of police officers than we're led to believe. It's just a nice story to put out there. Right, right. It's a nice, you know, it's nice for the Innocence Project to come out and try and paint all of law enforcement as being racist and, and, and bigoted and, you know, intent upon convicting these poor, poor, innocent individuals who, you know, who are walking these grandmoms across the street, you know, and they're right. Boy Scouts. <laughs> we're, we're talking to Christine Flowers, uh, columnist of the Delco Times, but also, by the way, I should point out you're an attorney, so... Uh, I want to make sure I mention that. So, how don't are the, blame me for it. <laughs> don't blame are, me for it. How are the local media covering Fetterman? Uh, I, for example, 
um, when he is pushing for this uh, murderer to be left out, let out of prison, has he? I know that you know we're hearing about it in political ads, and there, and, and you know, columnists are writing about it. But has anybody stuck a microphone in his face and made him explain it yet? Um, not any of the establishment, institutional, mainstream press. The Philadelphia Inquirer has absolutely, as expected, has um, abdicated any um, any role that it has or should have of being uh, an honest gatherer of news. Those who are on the Fetterman beat have been churning out column after column after column about how Oz is lying about um, his home, uh, you know, however many homes he has, about his re, um, relationship with his parents, who basically foot the bill for his entire adult life. Right. Um, they are, and then whenever there's commentary about his health, because we all know that Fetterman is a sick man. He is medically compromised. No business the running Inquirer, for Senate, no. No business at all. The Inquirer is running interference for the Fetterman campaign because they keep trying to minimize the very real, very obvious evidence that Fetterman is not capable of running right now. Well, I saw being protected. Yeah. yeah, And I saw local TV uh, coverage of his, I want to call it a speech. It was some kind of an event that he went to. And uh, he he was speaking gibberish, just a little bit better than gibberish. And I saw the p. I saw the the raw video, and then I saw the piece. I think it was KDK TV here. They did. They, they covered it, and they showed him speaking. And you would never know that he had had any trouble speaking at this event. They only used a few seconds, and it was him sounding relatively coherent. Are the TV stations doing the same with him there? Um. Yeah. It 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 it's very clear that there is a concerted effort to. Not necessarily um, help him against Dr. Oz, but there's a concerted effort to keep us from seeing how sick he truly is. I think that they're doing this more because they believe it's offensive to focus on someone's infirmity. It's almost like an Americans with Disabilities Act violation, if they're clear, and and if they really come out and show us what he's like. But they're doing us a huge disservice, John, because this man, if he is elected to office, he will not be able to serve a full term. I'm not a doctor, but if you see the way that he has been handling himself, if you see, he has aphasia. It's clear that he has aphasia. And for people to deny this and people, and they're doing it for political reasons, I just think it's shameful. It's shameful of the Democrats for pushing this man forward on, you know, for political purchase mm-hmm. to be able to put him out there. I, it, it, it's almost as if Republicans, now obviously they're not doing it because they, they, there's any love lost there, but Republicans are much more decent in trying to point out that this man is not capable of running. He should not be running for office and should be in rehab right now and, and, and being at home. His family... Um, and the Democrats who are pushing him to run for office are just despicable human beings because they're pushing a sick man into um, an official position, into a very, very stressful next you know, yep. two months, stressful campaign. And well, I just, I just, I can't stop saying they are despicable human beings. Well, I'm out of time, Christine, and I'll just leave you with: uh, I don't think that they would find it quite as offensive to point it out if he were Republican. It's just me; I could be crazy. But, um, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Christine Flowers, I always love having you on. Hope to have you on again soon. We'll have you on definitely before the election. Thanks. Love you, John. Take okay, care. Okay, we'll be Bye. right back. If you or a family member lived or worked at the Camp Lejeune military base from 1953 to 1987 and developed health issues that required hospitalization or extended treatment as a result of drinking toxic water on base, then you may be eligible to file a claim. Call BD Law Group now at 800-292-2972 to see if you qualify for compensation. Those who lived and worked at Camp Lejeune have shown an increased risk for several types of cancers and other serious illnesses. Female 
male infertility, leukemia, kidney cancer, birth defects, lung cancer. Veterans, their families, military personnel, and civilian workers call BD Law Group now at 800-292-2972 to see if you or your loved ones qualify for compensation. BD Law Group will never collect any fees unless we win compensation in your case. Call BD Law Group now at 800-292-2972. Call 800-292-2972. Hi, I'm Todd Saylor, the author of the book, The Brand, and the Attitudinal Disorder, Wired Differently. One of the keys to finding personal success is to start by realizing what makes you unique and therefore special. Many people in the world tend to suppress their views mainly because they feel it may not fit the general overall narrative of society. However, in the world that's changing so rapidly, giving yourself permission to be unique will be rewarding. I know this because I have, like so many others, been wired differently. Learning how to leverage your strengths builds self-confidence and creates a more positive outlook on life. Wired Differently is geared towards helping people stand out, especially those who have felt different or alone. In my series of books, I encourage people to be who they are. And if they are different, then be bold enough to admit it and own it and become successful in it. Discover a new world of opportunity at ToddSailor.com. That's Todd, S-A-Y-L-O-R.com. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, Don Lemon is going to be getting up in the middle of the night. Uh, you know who Don is. He's referred to as Don Lemon by by Tucker Carlson. But he's uh, he's got a primetime show on CS- CNN, which I wouldn't watch if I were had been in solitary confinement for a couple of years and it was uh, given a chance to come out just to watch his show. I'd stay in there. But um, he's on the prime time, and he's terrible, and he's a liberal, and he's nauseating, and all that stuff. Uh, but he's also been demoted, because that's what it is when you get taken off the uh, the off of prime time and put on in the morning. Uh, that's what happened. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's the show is called New Day, and John Berman and Brianna Kyler, uh, who are, we're, we're hosting it. I've never heard of either one of them. Uh, they're not going to be there anymore, so you're going to be missing them. <laughs> But uh, the, the new guy, uh, Don Lemon and Poppy Harlow, will be doing the morning show on CNN. Uh, so uh, he, he should be happy that he's kept the job there. But um, he's going to be getting up about 3 in the morning to do a show that nobody will see. So good for Don Lemon. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to CNN. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow fan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.